Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to this. It is the Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast, the podcast about rugby. It doesn't take itself or the game too seriously. This is episode three of our World Cup voyage. And I'm here with t- um, Tim. I'm here with Tim. Fine, I'm good with Tim. Hi, Tim. <laughs> how, how are you? Hello, JB. Hello, Phil. Bonsoir. Hello. Oh, bonsoir. Yeah. Hello, well, Tim. Well, Tim in a van and Phil here. <laughs> Hello, guys. How hey, are do you, you doing? Like- yeah, I, once again, I, it was weird um, this time, just like on the, the last episode where I woke up in uh, the Stad Velodrome car park, or I was in the Stad Velodrome car park when we spoke. Once again, I woke up there this morning and it was a bit, it was very weird because whereas on Sunday I was the only person in the car park, it didn't feel too weird. I was getting out like in pants to go and brush my teeth and there were people p- pulling into part of their car to go to work. <laughs> of course, yeah. Amazing. <laughs> Um, anyway, I've moved up the coast now to to Cassis, which is where I'm, I'm calling you from, as I just sort of meander my way towards Nice. Have you had any... Is it Creme de Cassis? Creme de Cassis, uh, blackcurrant liqueur, I believe. I can't believe I didn't think to have some. I, I shall. Um, well, I think you should... No, I probably won't, because I'm moving on tomorrow. I probably won't. Well, hang on. Why don't... Every time... I mean, it could get expensive, this, but <laughs> on, on your wage, no problem. Uh, why don't you, at every town that you recognise as a drinks place, buy a bottle of something? Mm. <laughs> That's a great, I mean, I don't know how you get it back. You'll have to post it, presumably, because you're not taking the company. dangerous. I've got seven weeks to uh, just have to have a free-for-all. Every, anything that's left on the like, World Cup final, you can come over to Paris and we'll just knock it all back in the van. Do you know? Amazing. That, because you're travelling around, Tim, that'd be a really good way of like sealing your memories, of just buying a bottle everywhere that you are and posting it back. Yeah. I think that'd be amazing. It would be cool, that. Cause it wouldn't that be too... is a really neat yeah. idea, Jay. And yeah. then every time you've got guests around. So do you know the history of the Drinks Globe? No. No. So the history, of the, history of the Drinks Globe, allegedly, is that gentlemen travellers would go to their club and they would congregate around the globe, open it up and drink, and then plan their next expedition. <laughs> <laughs> so you would have all of your liquor in in the corner... So, whereas the gentlemen used to tell each other about their past expeditions and future expeditions, you can talk about your past rugby tour. Amazing. And your next one to come. I think that's a great idea. Yep, I totally agree. That is agree. a neat idea. There you go. I, I'm completely taken with France. I, I've not I, I've not really... I've been to France before, but I, I've always preferred other countries above it in Europe. It is it's such a special country. It's amazing. It is, isn't it? It is. I mean, even though it's and like... I've softened, I've softened on Marseille. I mean, I, I won't hurry back, but it's a lot better than it was five years ago. <laughs> hurry back. High praise. I, I'd, uh, <laughs> I wouldn't go again in off-season, 
put it that way. I would, I'd like to give it a fair crack at the whip in high season. We we dis, we owe it that I think. Yeah. I, I did. No, we owe really, ourselves uh, that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do I we? think probably. The, the, every, every villain needs a redemption arc, and I feel like Marseille has, has earned that shot at redemption. <laughs> I would go back to Nice any time. Uh, did you notice the trums in, yeah, in yeah. the trums in Marseille run on tires? I can't. I can't recall I, that. I, do. I didn't notice. That's the sort of thing that you notice, and I love you for it. Yeah, yeah. They run on tires. I thought, oh, that's unusual. And then I had to Wikipedia tram systems that run on tires. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Any other notable ones? On uh, the world? I think there's one in Canada. It used to be the the old trolley buses in, I, the, in the UK. I can tell you this much. The widest gauge uh, metro system is in uh, San Francisco. Really? Very wide gauge metro system, yeah. Mm. I, don't know, I don't know why that is, but, you know. So, anyway, anyway, some rugby. You wasted rug- talking about rugby, Jay. You yeah. wasted talking about rugby. Completely, mate. completely. When, when's the tram pod coming out? <laughs> very, 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 very soon. So, here's something for you. <laughs> well, I'll kick off with this. We, and I think everybody else, were speaking about how this is the World Cup where there, more than ever is going to be upsets and more teams can win it than previous. And yet, it's turned out to be the most predictable World Cup to date so far. Disappointingly, yes. It is disappointing, isn't it? Um, I think, so Fiji could have gone upset. Georgia possibly could have gone upset. Um some would argue that England was an upset. <laughs> yes, okay, England. That, yeah, I mean, it's not a, a historic upset, but it's a present day upset. Yes, um, and Chile, uh, they'll be slightly disappointed with their discipline that led to a relatively comfortable win against Japan. Oh. But that game could have gone differently. I do really you, think it could have done. Do you know the Chile game? Up until the Wales game, that was the best game of the tournament. Did did, did you watch it? Yeah, yeah. I thought it's absolutely superb. But Chile are a team who like to play, and they're playing against a team in Japan who like to play. They they like to throw it around and, and run it from anywhere when the the time is right. So I thought it was a great game. Yeah. Now, do you want? Did you see the Chile game, Tim? I saw bits and bobs of it. I have caught up with highlights, but yeah, you're right. Phil's right. It's um, real intent, and I just the the one bit I have seen was the the clips of because they were historic firsts. The Chile national anthem before their first game ever in a World Cup, yeah, and the first try uh, yep. scored by Chile at a World Cup. Just that, that; those are some. You're right about the upsets not being there, and and I am disappointed about that. And I don't. Looking at this weekend, I don't. I don't see one happening. Um, no, not this weekend. So, uh, so, but but you can celebrate these little moments, and and that that Chile Chile their first performance in the World Cup, irrespective of the result, was one of them, and. Um, Portugal, I know they've been in the World Cup before, but th- that'll be cool this weekend. Of yes. course, Portugal are an action. Well, just on Chile, I mean, they have some high high quality players. There. I really like the hawker Diego Escobar. Uh, I thought Martin Segrin, Segrin, however you say his name, is very good. And I thought the fullback Isola uh, can really play a bit. The fullback was good. The ten who is, I pointed out a few weeks ago, Fernandez. Rodrigo Fernandez, the man that scored the wonder try in the two-legged battle against the oh, USA, yes, 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 and yes. scored the first try in this. He's a lovely player. Yeah, I didn't realize the score was actually so one-sided because watching the game, it didn't feel like that. Well, it, they, Japan scored two 
late tries in the last 10 minutes. So they've scored 14 additional points in the last 10 minutes that made it a bit more one-sided. Yeah, now, I've had a thought about Chile. What does Chile teach us? And I think Chile and Fiji basically come to the sort of, well, I come to the same conclusion with both. Everybody talks about we need to give more international exposure to these tier two nations. They need to have more games, and to an extent, they're right. But if that's not on the table, it seems to me obvious that the next best option is to make sure they have club rugby. In fact, that might be even better. Because putting them together in a club and making them play in some tournament, whatever tournament that may be, and having that cohesion... I mean, you're not talking about 10 games a season. You're talking about 20 games or 30 games a season. And you look at what the Fijians did this weekend, I think that's a way forward for international rugby, which is have basically international teams playing together in some competition somewhere. I think you know, the way that the pro, some sort of Pro 14 Rainbow Cup or whatever, the, the URC style thing, uh, and have a, a few of them around the globe, that seems to be a much better solution than just saying, right, we're going to get you from all corners of, of the earth, put, put you in international shirts, you'll have no time together, and then you have 10 international games like they do for Georgia. I don't think it serves them well at all. If the Georgian team had a domestic team in Georgia with most of its players, they would be mega. Well, they, they, they've got to be... You can't have them just in Georgia. They've got to be playing in a European league or or a comparative league. Yeah, well, Chile's playing... I don't know what they play in. They, I put it out last week. Yeah, I, I can't remember what it was. What uh, was it? Super Rugby Americas, SLAR. I mean, I've never even heard of it, but it seems to produce a damn good team. Well, they, they the Seltenham team, who the majority... Uh, 90% of that um, squad, not just 90% of the team, 90% of the squad, and maybe 7 out of 8 of the starting pack come from that team. Yeah. So they got to the final last year in 2022. Um, the team that beat them last year and beat one of the Argentine teams this year, Penarol, is the Uruguayan team. And we're going to ah, see... That makes sense. We are going to see Uruguay this weekend. And my point last week was... That I believe Argentina were strongest, uh, and they're still a very, very strong team, but when 80% of the team were playing for the Jaguares against the Crusaders and against the Waratahs and against all those amazing Super Rugby teams, that's when Argentina were strongest. We'll see these two teams, Seltenham, uh, and this has propelled Chile to be the strongest, and Penarol, which hopefully Uruguay take a step forward even from when they were where they were four years ago when they beat Fiji we must uh, remember so I I think you're right I think this and we've seen with the Fijian Drura yep as well I think a Georgian team competing in Europe maybe they could join um the uh Rainbow Cup slash just URC so away, isn't it there's just no real good solution for them at, at well if they if South, if the South African teams, many of them go via Dubai to get to Europe for three weeks, then it's it's not that it's not that much. A, uh, a Georgian team based in Dubai, yeah, yeah. Why not? I mean, it's uh, Tbilisi is probably only a two-hour flight from Dubai. Yeah, probably. Well, I mean, <laughs> uh, I'm not sure this is an option as things are at the moment politically. Of course, Russia could probably have two teams, but like we just can't really talk about them. But there is a suburb of Moscow which basically produced the two lads at sale, mm-hmm. plus some others. So they've got some... I don't know what it is or where... I, I tell you who would know that, Steve Diamond. Like he yeah, would yeah, legitimately he would, he, know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Uh, and then, of course, there's NSI. So yep. you've got two teams that, I mean, mind you, I'm saying like, oh, yeah, Russia's next door. We'll just pair them up with Russia. It's probably uh, further. NSI, I bet you can get to um, Christchurch faster than you can get to NSI. <laughs> That's like the furthest place on the planet. Yeah, what am I talking about? That's a ridiculous <laughs> idea. Oh, it's in Russia. It's fine. They'll just nip over or walk it. Um, <coughs> all the Romanian teams, maybe. Something like that. Yeah, I'm, I'm very much for that. As long as you can make the money stack up. Um, I think it, I think it pays for itself in terms of competition, long term, and cohesion. Did you see the Martin Seagrin yellow card? Was that the head clash? Good God! It just makes me rage. Well, the, it's just so unnecessary. So, uh, yes, and we, I, we, know, got, I know, well, look, so I know. So I'm I don't really like make them all red cards, make them all yellow cards, make them all play on rugby instance. I don't really feel that strongly. Just make them consistent because we've now seen. Tom Curry red card. We've seen the Chile one, which got referred to the bunker and was actually probably, there was less mitigation in that one than there was in the Tom Curry one. And that would stayed as a yellow card. Yeah. We've then got Jesse Creel in the South Africa, Scotland game. No action taken. A few minutes in. No, yet nothing. And there's, I've seen at least three in the Wales-Fiji game that again... That was... Red, uh, like not red cards, but high shots were prevalent in that. And yeah, nobody did nothing, nothing at all. Let the boys play. So I, I don't I, really do what you want. Make whatever laws you want. Just apply them consistently. The we we said we talked a couple of weeks ago about the potential risks for the tournament and what could go wrong. And I think certainly Cocker and I flagged. I think all of us flagged that inconsistency, bad decisions. And inconsistent decisions are just going to be incredibly frustrating. And we've had one weekend and you've got five or six incidents, all of which have been dealt with differently. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Now, the and one which... And sorry, go on, Tim. It was always the case. It was always the case, though. And this is this is where I would just draw a distinction between this World Cup and previous World Cups. That was always the case. And I think fans accepted it. Well, you know, we can have a moan and stuff, but you kind of just get referees are human referees interpret things differently um that can happen in, in a game but it's because they've introduced this bunker system they've introduced the, the checks and balances actually i think it feels like the referees are less accountable because ultimately the refs aren't making the decision they're, they're kind of just deferring it to someone else some some someone in the ether who's just given a thumbs up or thumbs down well they're yeah. truly um, outrageous. so go on I, yeah no I, I, I so i'm with you tim they're, they're deferring it and they're doing deferring it in two ways they're deferring the stuff that they notice and they're saying, oh, well, it's a yellow card and someone else can deal with that decision. But they're also, I think, probably um, unwilling, unknowingly or subconsciously deferring other stuff because if they only half catch it, they don't need to do anything because they know their mate in the bunker is going to cover their backs. Except they're not doing. Except it, everything's getting missed. Yeah, and then fall back. And like, oh well, the bunker missed it too, so it must not. Yeah, have yeah. Happened. Uh, the one which really outraged me was Matthias Dittus. Now this guy hit. Who uh, did he hit late? Uh, was this the low tackle? Ma- Matsuda. This was the low. Like he tackled his thigh. He tackled his thigh, and it went down a little bit. It sort of, he fell down a little bit, and there's some accusation. Maybe he might have targeted the knee. Good, like good, like that's what that's what you meant to do. Like he's got his eyes. Like, what do you want these guys to do? Right, he's committed to a tackle low. 
Alright, so we saw a charge down uh, I can't remember who charged down whom, but that resulted in a yellow card. And Santiago you know, Carreras. That's it, right? George Ford. So you know, <clears throat> we can't have that. Okay, fine. What about if the player goes so low, he's looking at the floor when he commits, tackles the player's thigh and gets a yellow card for it? I, I just do not for the life of me understand who is coming up with these laws. But you know, there we go. But actually the I think the story of this was the how the two teams played. I really actually, I thought the way that they played when they got the their ball, uh, the ball in hand was really, really nice. And Japan just stayed calm. I think it'd be very easy for them to panic. that <clears throat> They're against a team they don't know anything about. Um, they were under the cosh for the first, uh, not never really that much un, un, under the cosh, but they went, they went behind. They certainly had to endure some offensive pressure. And in the end, they won quite comfortably. So mm. fairly encouraging for them. <clears throat> yeah. Two, both teams will be... I think Chile will be disappointed they didn't put more points on the board. But for their first outing, it, it was positive for both sides. Right. Bigger uh, games. Uh, games of equal stature right, uh, right now. Okay. Um, so, yeah. Do you want to go with South Africa, Scotland? Should we do it sequentially? Let's do South Africa, Scotland then. So, Tim, so far, where did you watch this game? What were you doing? I was in... Um, the top tier of the stadium in the in the journalist box, um, well, maybe two thirds of the way up, halfway up, um, and I was on just just to the left of halfway, and I could just see the Kalonk mountain out the top of the stadium. That stadium is something else. I've got to say, the atmosphere it generates is incredible, and I absolutely loved. Well, no, I loved everything building up to the game, and it just kind of the energy went from the game pretty much after 50 minutes. Um, but South Africa were very, very impressive. And just before I talk about the game, Sia Khaleesi, oh my goodness, what a man. Why so? What do you like about him? Well, there's uh, several reasons. Um, uh, there was a, a brilliant scene beforehand. He's just so... He's such a great ambassador for the sport, and I think he recognises and takes the weight of it on his shoulders and actually you know, willingly takes that load and actually behaves as, as though he is a massive ambassador for the sport. So just just on, on I love someone that belts out their national anthem like that. Alan Wynne Jones loved him the same way. He he yeah. he could be he could be tone deaf and flat. He will scream his national anthem <laughs> at the top of his lungs. I love that. Um secondly, the game had finished and I was doing a little video and I was doing some various bits and bobs. Most of the fans had gone, but there was like one thin layer of fans around around the ground just kind of just I, I was like oh it's interesting there the loads of South African fans have just stood there well anyway but all the other players have come out and seen family friends taking a few photos and gone back in and then Sia Khaleesi comes in and does a one-man lap and take just photo 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 That's photo amazing. and he, he must have been doing he must have been doing that for a good half an hour and yeah. um well I, I left before he finished and um and then also, I just loved his little moment in the press conference. Was that today? Was that was that this morning? With um, when he sort of said, "No, I'd like to go back." Um, Jack Nianaba was asked a question about Marnie Libok, and then they moved on. And he said, "Sorry, before we move on, I just want to go back." And he just he just said, "Look, Marnie Libok does some incredible things. Nobody's nobody's perfect at everything every day, but that's the great thing about this team." Um, is we share the load and we we celebrate what we're great at and we help each other with the stuff we're not so great at. 
And it's only a little thing, but you just can't... Every, everything that man does is... is is the, I just find the guy incredible. Okay, so that's really interesting because the reason, I'm glad I asked the question because I don't really get it, is the answer. And, and <laughs> I don't get it because I guess you have to see him close up. So I'm, I'm glad you gave us that little report because sometimes I just think, is this something which we're meant to say without questioning <clears> it? <throat> like we just automatically meant to say, see, Khaleesi is, um, is inspirational, is an ambassador and should never question it further. But I guess if you've, if you've experienced it firsthand, that's what you need to do to appreciate it. But we, we've all three of us. Uh, yeah, I've got to say, I've met him. I was really impressed. But I was yeah. also, to be fair, I was really impressed with everyone. Yeah. Like, no it's, one, it's hard not to be impressed with those guys. Actually, you? there was two guys I was not impressed with. You're going to say who? Yeah. Um, Stephen Moore was a bit of an arsehole, quite <laughs> he, frankly. He was, wasn't he? In fact, he's an absolute arsehole. He was, he was difficult. Yeah, just miserable. Well, yeah, miserable is the but right word. Everybody else was absolutely brilliant. Yeah. I mean, who was Stephen Moore with? Because he was miserable too. Like the pair of them, it's like a double act. <laughs> Stephen Moore was. I didn't, I didn't, I must have been doing something else when you were doing that. I don't remember meeting Stephen Moore. Oh, we, we I, did an interview with him. Yeah. And because he'd won something. Most miserable man in the world. Yeah, because we were interviewing as they came off. <laughs> uh, I can't even remember what it was. But like, C. Cleese, he was, it just, it, 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 you know, it was a pleasure to meet him. Yeah. It was a pleasure to meet Jamie Roberts. Jamie Roberts was ace. And who was the Scottish, Scottish South African eight? He was class. Scottish South African. Oh, um, Zimbabwean. Zim- no. uh, Dave, Dave, Janet, Dave. No, 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 no. As soon as, you, you know, Munster, you'll know him immediately. Scottish, sorry, Irish. Irish. Oh, CJ Sander. Oh, right. CJ Sander. CJ Sander was ace. And the guy that got banned for drugs? Yeah, a peewee Deante. He was the most impressive guy that I he, met that He day. was cool. Yeah. He was really cool. So, oh, so yeah, that's that's very interesting, Tim. I like that. Yeah. Very good. Good, good first-hand knowledge. So, 50 minutes all changed. I mean, we know what happened on, on, on the scoreboard, but it felt like that in the stadium too. Uh, yes, although what I will... What I would say is it felt inevitable that it wasn't. It, it was. Uh, I think I, I've used. Uh, if I've used the analogy already, then I apologise. Oh no, I haven't spoken to the South Africa game. I've just. I must have said it a few times. I've done ra- various radio things. Anyway, they're like a, a boa constrictor just squeezing the life out of Scotland from minute one, and eventually they killed them in minute fifty. Yeah, it did feel. It felt inevitable, and early on there was Scotland got in the first half. Certainly, Scotland. The, the scrums were more even. Scotland did get a couple of scrum penalties. Yeah, but, they were good. They were really good. it started kind of falling apart a little bit. Now, I think that is more to do with sort of the general mindset rather than being overpowered by the scrum. So do you know when everything's just bouncing, it's going your way, like your tackles are sticking, getting off the line quicker, and then when it gets on top of you, that goes, doesn't it? So I thought that Scotland were not just in this game. I thought they were poised to win it at half-time. At, at half-time, I was... Because they finished the half much, much stronger. Yeah. Um, they'll be disappointed with that Darcy Graham break down the left-hand side. If he gives it... I, I, if he could have given it, I'm not certain he could have, but if he gets that into... He du- could have given it. If he gets he it into Duan's hands... Yes. That... I thought Finn, whoever passed it picked the wrong pass. Give it to Duan. Just give it him early. Yeah, give it... Because the chance of Duan getting his hands free... Oh, it's going to be much greater than anyone else getting their hands free. It was it was a three on one. It wasn't even a two on one. It was a three on one. The other what, guy on the, on the inside as well. I can't even remember now. No, there was two guys on the outside. Well, there was. I think it was Blair Kinghorn was kind of deeper and outside as well as 
Divan that was the obvious pass to give it to. But um, you you probably got a better um, view in the stadium because we had like yeah he, the... he absolutely butchered it. He absolutely butchered it. There's no there's no there's no getting around it. You can see what he was getting at the. Uh, you can it's one of those he, he he does it and it comes off and it looks great, but you get it wrong and you you're an abs you know yeah, dick of the yeah. day. Yeah. Uh, but f- it was Libok that got across to him, so fair play for to Libok yeah. for for covering that ground and putting well, him down. You just don't want to be in an arm wrestle with South Africa late on, do you? That's like the number one place you don't want to be. And had Scotland scored, I know I say this all the time, but it becomes a different game. And they didn't score, so you know they kind of got got what they deserved. On the other hand, they did scrimmage well. They scrimmaged. And can I just talk about com- commentary a second? It's mm. starting to really annoy me. This. They keep talking about things like it's an inevitability. Um, little things which you would never know until you play the game. Like, oh, well, uh, Scotland... It's like Scotland have got no hope of um, dominating the scrum, so they're just going to hope for parity. Like, no, they're not. No, they're not. They're going to be good. Well, they they won a, a great... Yeah. Like, after 30 minutes or so, they won a great scrum penalty. I have no problem if one of the analysts is like, right, I'm going to put my house on this happening. And it doesn't happen, fair play. Austin Healy's done that a few times and it has happened and you look really cool right <laughs> but yeah I've got no problem with that but don't say it to the watching public like oh it's a foregone conclusion yeah they'll just get battered in all the scrums so there's no, you know, well, why bother playing the game then like why even bother just on scrums and, and bearing in mind we were talking about laws and stuff is I, it, it feels like we dial stuff up and dial stuff down in rugby way too much and the the sensitivity on some of the the things that you get red cards for has just been dialed up but like, if, if you really want to get pernickety and you really want to dig into the laws and apply them and stuff, just make make and you want to make a good contest, make make the scrum house feed straight. It's like <laughs> it's, it's odd where rugby kind of decides to pick its battles yeah, or completely ignore yeah, stuff. That, that is getting ignored. I don't actually mind that game, but I've yeah. said this before. I would cheat like if you're going to let it get away, you're going to let it happen. You've got to rewrite the the, the law book somehow. You've yeah. got to say, yes, okay, right, Phil. a feed close to your guy at a slight angle is fine. Because that is, that's the lesser of two eagles, the evils. If you put it right down the middle straight and both um, both hookers can actually hook for it, then it's going to be an absolute mess of a contest. Do you know what, though? Both hookers can't it, hook for it. That, <clears> that, I mean, Tim will tell you this, being a hooker. Like, yeah. The position you're in is so bloody hard to strike an opposition ball. It's oh, doable, uh, yeah, yeah, but, but it's bloody hard. If you were to, if you were forced to put it down the middle at a straight angle, so it's equidistant no, from both no, both hookers, it's really hard because you think you've got usually you're standing, you're, stand, you're, uh, you're standing, standing like on your straight leg like is going in the wrong direction. Yeah, sorry, in that situation, actually, you have to swap probably, legs. Probably neither, hook, although, neither although, player can hook. Do you know what? You do make a good point, which is like if it goes down straight, maybe hookers defensively need to use the other break foot. <clears throat> Maybe that's the answer. That is quite exciting, actually. Yeah, let's do that. It would be a bit of a mess. You'd ha- you'd have to. I guess if you want to make an omelet, you've got to break some eggs. If exactly. you're going to do that, there is going to be a lot of broken eggs. Yes, there is. You've got to. T- yeah, you've got sorry, to be... I, didn't, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't mean to take us down that rabbit hole. So yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. Um, so the I, I actually I was quite disappointed with Scotland overall. Um, I, I I feel like we're kind of. I mean, there's two teams. Uh, there's two uh, in the same way as we talked about Argentina being disappointing. We ha- you have to credit England the way they pressured them. You have to say well, South Africa's defence was absolutely immense. The speed off the line to shut down Finn Russell's options. I thought was, a lot of times they could have been caught offside. 
They were too fast yeah, for my I, liking. Yeah, I, I, what I was thinking, so I, I, this is again where it's been brilliant be, um, being able to watch the uh, from so such a high up position, um, which I, I, I don't really, I don't do rugby up in the gods, guys. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it's been it's been awesome having that vantage point because that that was one thing I was like, my god, they're up quick, and. I was checking. I was checking like WhatsApp messages and stuff, and people were going, "They've got to be offside. They've got." To be. But they really weren't. They, a couple of times, they you know they were, but every team you know pushes that boundary. But they they clearly had a plan, and they just sent guys up. The uh, much like kind of London Irish did back in the day, and just to to cut off Finn Russell's options passing out uh, to the wider channels, so he had to take the short option almost every time. Do you know what I like about South Africa? The aspect of their game that I really like. And I think this is just a logical thing that they must be looking at. But if you think about physicality in rugby, there's a lot of ways to neuter physicality. So, like, the maul is obviously very physical, but it's not that, con- that high collision contact, is it? And you think about um, defending. You obviously want to create massive collisions as defenders, but there's ways of countering that as a attacking team. Change your angles, you don't you run into space, yeah, all that nonsense, right? Where you cannot counter the physicality and where South Africa apply it beautifully is the ruck. My God, for like the first 30, 30 minutes, I was fully aroused. I was <laughs> fully aroused. It is just incredible the amount of violence that they bring to such, basically a phone box, a phone box full of men, and they just plow into it over and over again. And it's almost unstoppable. Like when they get two or three, if you're, if you don't protect that ruck, they steal your ball. If you do protect that ruck, you need your mate in immediately because if you get caught by a couple of South Africans, they're not leaving you alone. They're just going to drive drive you off the ball and then they're going to pick it up. And the amount of times that Scotland had a breakdown and a clearing party, which would be pretty much uh, suitable um, or sufficient, I should say, for almost every other international team, it just didn't do the job. Mm. You know, If you're playing South Africa, I think you probably need to keep the ball alive more or you need to make sure that you recycle that ball so quick, like so quick, it's just not part of the game. That that's how good they are. Mm. And their um, their body height, which was a point that um, I made, I think last week. Um, but it was because of a point made by Ross Tucker that mm. Ninaba, as a former physio, is someone that's really got on board with a kind of body position, low tackle height, and low engagement on a rook. Mm. Um, and it's something that you see to their benefit. They use that body body angles, body position, uh, I think, better than any other team. And it's something I'm kind of keeping an eye on at the moment. I don't know about you, Phil, or you, Tim, but I find clearing rocks really hard. Like If I've got a guy jackling on the ball, I find it almost impossible to, to move him. It, it depends where he's jackling, if he's, which is something that we see occasionally and I think should be banned. If they're hooked onto a player... Like Marchand won a penalty against um, the, the old Tom Tom Curry hook. Yeah, Marchand yeah. hooked on, hooked un, an arm under. I can't remember who it might have been Ardi Surveyor. So you're then doubling the body weight that you're trying to clear. That becomes an impossibility. Yeah. So on that one, oh hell, we're going to get too technical here. But like, if you've got one dynamic movement to place the ball, and you decide to squeeze ball it, and you get caught with the ball and your torso, you deserve a penalty against you. If that guy is trying to, so the hook I think is perfectly legitimate. Uh, that should be a penalty anyway. Only in a squeeze ball situation, though. How else? Pen- oh, I see what you mean. So he's present. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah, so yeah. If, if he goes long, still hook. Yeah. yeah. If you go, if you go long, yeah, and then you still hook. You hook. That's the the penalties against the jackler. But then, if you're clearing, 
you always latch onto the player. So you do have double the body weight the other way. Always. But latch onto the... So there's a guy on the floor. Uh, right? If you're the first man there as the yeah, you, supporting attacker. You, you grab his shorts and you effectively give him, for all schoolboys out um, out there, an oh, atomic wedge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For all times. And as the South Africans clear you, you are dragging this poor sap. <laughs> like, he's, he's eating grass and he's also got an, uh, an arse full of shorts. <laughs> Way too technical. Just, just on a bigger point on the... Oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, go on, Tim. Go on, Tim. I was going to say, on, on, just on the breakdown in this game, just just more broadly, I, I, that, that we've talked about this before. There is definitely a difference in the way that Southern Hemisphere and Northern Hemisphere referees officiate this, and Scotland did not deal with it because I was watching it, and to me, acclimatised with Northern Hemisphere rugby, Six Nations, Premiership, etc., I was thinking, this is wild at the breakdown. Angus Gardner is letting so much go. There are yeah. bodies lying all over the place. There's clearly hands on the floor beyond the ball before they before they go for the turnover, and he's just going, crack on. And at first, I was I was sort of thinking, oh, this isn't fair, this isn't right. But actually, no, that, that, that is rugby, and this is go, going back to the point of officiating. I want the, I want the um, accountability with the ref, and I want the, I don't mind different interpretations, and the best teams are the ones that, deal with it yeah and scotland just did not adjust no and more importantly i think they didn't really play any of their fancy stuff did they there was no well, they, they didn't get the ch- they, yeah they didn't this they is weren't allowed to yeah this is the frustration that i mean scotland only ran 200 meters 220 Jeez meters Christ. with ball in hand how do you beat south africa which is un-scotland-esque and it's actually it's less so scotland managed to run less metres with ball in hand than England did against Argentina. It's impressive. And England were explicitly trying not to run the ball. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas Scotland were... When you put at- it like that, Phil. <laughs> Scotland were actually trying to run the ball. How do you beat South Africa? And judging by this performance, what is your best tactic? If you're going to beat, if you're going to beat them, what do you, what do, you do? I, I don't necessarily think a tactic like England is a bad option. You, you kind of got to go one or two ways. you got to... Kick, kick and try and shut down and force errors, or do a lot of running and try and tie them out. Yeah. So old South Africa teams, and I, this is now a cliche. Go on, Tim. Sorry. I was going to say just about my short um, solution to that. If I were a coach trying to set up a team play South Africa, I, I think you've got to go heavy at the breakdown because the transition turnover ball. That's where Scotland nearly scored. That's where New Zealand carved them up in the Rugby Championship first game. Is they 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 won the they won those collision turnover uh, moments and then had breakaway scores. Well, it's an area of the game which is so incredibly unsexy that I can't even tell you who the best ruck... I can tell you who the best ruck disruptors are. I can't tell you who the best ruck looker-afters are. <laughs> protectors. The ruck protectors. Sure, sure, no, looker-afters pro- is pro- I, bet, I bet you it's the Irish because uh, I was going to say it'll be the team that have the quickest ball. Yeah, it'll maybe. Be, it'll probably be, probably be Armani and... Tyburn, probably be Tyburn. And surely it's a poacher turned gamekeeper type situation. Like the the guys, the best disruptors will also, if you turn their hand to but protectoring. If that was the case, wouldn't like offensive linemen be also the best defensive linemen, and vice versa? Uh, probably a more broad skill. Yeah, the, maybe bending over and being hard to move. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I guess so. So I, I don't know who the best ruck protectors are. So I, I imagine you'd need a team full of them. <laughs> well, they just don't get any plaudits, do they? Like you never see the BT highlights on the weekend. Like look. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Get this rug protection. Well, it's it's the kind of the the one that's famous for this. It's going back twenty years. Is Richard Hill? Richard Hill, yeah, the unseen work. Yeah, yeah, and there's there's probably loads of other guys who do amazing things like that. But Richard Hill is the one that always gets the plaudits. This is whether it's true or not. I have no idea. I imagine someone like Charlie Yule's been really good at this. That's why he's in the team week out, week in, week out, and we have no idea. Well, he's got to be good at something. Yeah, it must be that, rec protecting. Well, yeah, well, that's it. I was going to say, if there's a player that is picked consistently and doesn't appear to do anything, as in they don't do anything with the ball themselves or appear to, then they're probably doing exactly the job you talk about. And I was, I was going to say, I was going to say exactly what you said, JB, probably Charlie Yules. Charlie Yules. So if you want to beat South Africa, we all agreed, Charlie Yules. Perfect. Yeah. And yeah, the, the solution done. you never expected it's over. to hear. South Africa, it is over. <laughs> Get me yours on the phone. Uh. <laughs> so, yeah, it was it, it, it was disappointing. I do agree that you need to apply pressure to South Africa. I know it's a cliche now. The problem with that is some of the talent that they can field oh. is just remarkable. Field and bring off the bench. Yeah. Oh. And we're not even talking about the forwards. I mean, I'm talking about, like... Um, and is Andre and Andresi, how the hell do I say his name? Uh, Arenzi. Arenzi, yeah, amazing. Um, I can't believe that four years after dominating England, um, what's his name is still. Uh, why can't I remember names? Macazoni Mapimpi. No, no, he didn't even play. No, uh, it was Colby. That's what I mean. I thought that's what you were saying. Oh uh, right, yeah, yeah. So <coughs> four years after, yeah. So yeah. Right, fast men and men are slow down. Chaz and Colby's not uh, not slow down one bit. He's still in his prime, isn't he? I don't know. He's, yeah. called, he's, he's still in his monetary prime. He's 29. Yeah. So, right. He, he, monetary prime. He's, he'll turn 30 uh, around the World Cup final. Tim, can you tell me what date the World Cup final is? October it's, the 28th. Yes. His, wow, that, that is convenient. His 30th birthday is the 28th of October. Mm-hmm. Oh, there you go. Mm. Yeah. Wonderful. What a birthday present. Uh, yeah, and on, and, and on the bench, I mean, my, my word. I, Grant Williams... Having him come on, he's so fast. Yeah, he's so bloody fast. That was God, that, his wheels are unreal. Oh, my that word. break outside the um, well from his own twenty-two was ace. And they, South Africa have got this back line that's obviously pretty solid, but the amount of pace. There's half a dozen guys in that back line, uh, including the bench. That if one of them gets a, a sniff. Uh, running like for them, see Aransi, Jesse Creel is rapid, Cheslin Colby, Libok is rapid, well, as, Williams is rapid. I was thinking of um, M- Moody, Moody could come back in, Moody's uh, the one I'm thinking potentially of. as well, make it even faster. Yeah, if Mo- uh, Moody, God, they're so fast. I guess you need Jesse. Who does Jesse Creel remind you of? 
So I think, like, why is he so good? Uh, don't know. Not Jesse Creel. Sorry, sorry. What else with like three percent body fat? Sorry, <laughs> I'm not talking about Jesse Creel. <laughs> Damien Delande. Delande. Because he, he seems like, in some ways, utterly unremarkable in what he does. Like, who is the closest thing to Damien Delande? Marnonu. I was thinking Brad Barrett. <laughs> like so solid in defence, goes forward. The, I mean, get rid of the solid in defence, as in a crash ball centre, maybe a Radrander, but more about him later. Um <laughs> like he's just like he's the sort of the odd one out. So him and Esther Hazen. I mean Esther Hazen can, can also play play a bit. He can. Uh, I mean, I'm sure Tierlande can Tierlande play. Tierlande can play a but bit. like just you know, he does stand out, doesn't he, as like the one who isn't as explosive as all the others. He was the one but who critical. Beat, he beat the most defenders this week. No, he didn't. He did. That's incredible. More than Aranse, more than Colby, more than Vilemse, more than Creel, more than Jasper Visa. Wow. More, more than anyone in Scotland, because no one in Scotland ran wow. at all with the ball in hand. Incredible. Absolutely incredible. Yeah, all week we've been building up the Scottish backline, rightly so. Somehow we've overlooked it's kind of like Ronaldo um not being given credit for heading the ball in his in his <laughs> early days. Yeah, South Africa are massive, they're also rapid. They good, are. good luck, everybody. <laughs> good luck. On to Wales. JB you're... Oh sorry, just on Semi Radrandra. Who in South Africa reminds you of, of Semi Radrandra and how, how and, and and how they play? Minus the errors. Uh minus the errors. Uh Jasper Jasper Visa. Orgy Snayman. <laughs> <laughs> he does honestly but maybe better like runs the line <laughs> takes contact offloads the ball beautifully two immense offloads do you if if Radranda had done that we'd be all raving about what a world a world class star he is Radranda so obviously we're transitioning to the Wales Fiji game but Radranda um, he is do you remember years ago absolutely years ago we did like a little section on uh, the worst big the worst wingers in space, or like wingers <laughs> that are no good in space. Um, did we do this? We did this, like Sean Lamont and who was the other big uh, Nicky Nicky Walker? I try to think of Nicky Walker. He played for Ospreys. Yeah, crikey! These big, enormous wingers who, when they, when they get open field, uh, look for contact. Kind of like Jamie Roberts. Yeah, um, good on paper. Well. The kind of guys who are going to make three yards, whether they've got 30 yards of space in front of them or they've got a brick wall in front of them. Yeah, three yards no matter what. Jamie Roberts. Yes. Radrandra has this thing where, and he did it to, I think it was George Ford last week, and he did it to uh, maybe Gareth Davis um, this week, where he gets the ball in space. And instead of actually looking for the space, he just looks, he just wants to run over someone. Yeah. And runs over and just... Basically hits Would him, you hits say he plays 12 a little bit like an 8? Uh, he plays 12 like Jamie Roberts. He plays 12 like Bill Matter. Yeah. Or Jasper Visa. Uh, yeah, Bill Matter and Jasper Visa and Sammy Rodrando are all interchangeable, as is RG, uh, RG Snayman, in, in, in my opinion. So your boys won, JB? Yeah, I've got to say, mixed emotions on this. When they came out, I did feel a little twinge. Like, I, do, I, I kind of want them to do well, but I also want them to lose. Um, but you know, just putting aside um, rooting interest, I, I love this game. I, I I just sat up and I was watching it with my wife, who does not watch rugby at all. Um, she actually said two things of interest this week. 
all week. <laughs> Not just in the 80 minutes. <laughs> yeah. All week. <laughs> you were watching the game. Um, first one was, she said, Who, who's on comms? This is the Scotland game. So he's really good. It was Jim Hamilton. Like oh. completely unprompted. Who is on comms? He's really good. Um, and the other one was, um, yeah, she was watching this and it's like, it was amazing. It was absolutely amazing. This was an unbelievable game. And it just unstructured, and Wales fell for every trap that Fiji laid, but unfortunately they wriggled out of it. And it was remarkable to see, actually, because Wales would do... I don't know. There was some discussion on one of our WhatsApp groups. Like, was the idea for Wales to actually play it from everywhere and try and get on the edge of Fiji? If that was the case, I can see evidence of it. But I can't imagine it was. I can't imagine playing Fiji at Fiji's... I don't know. I don't know. So one... One telling stat in this, Wales recorded 253 tackles in this game, Yeah, which was nearly four times the number of tackles that Fiji... Fiji only completed 70. 70 so Wales 253 Goodness. versus 70 from Fiji. Um, it, just an absolutely remarkable stat. So they, they did, they tried to play turnover ball. But to get turnover ball, they had to defend so much. So the, the tactics <laughs> we'll need to teach be them. just absorb as much pressure as you possibly can uh, in order to um, work. eventually get some turnover ball. To be fair, that is the kind of counterintuitive thinking which does make Gatland a genius. The idea of giving Fiji <laughs> any ball, in my mind, is nonsense. Yeah. <laughs> Absolute categorical nonsense. Um, he did win this game. And for that, he deserves a lot of credit because... You know, Fiji, I mean, Radranda's drop at the end would be one. They had at least one, maybe, was it two disallowed tries? I remember... There was the double movement. Oh, yeah, the double movement, and then the guy jumps at... Oh, and Bottian knocks it on. Double was a double movement. Eroni uh, Marwi um, diving diving for the line, and the ref, uh, Matt Carley said, it's to try on field unless you can I clearly put- see it overturned. And um, there was the... Bottia. The... the, the the TMO said it was. Was it Ben Whitehouse said? No, it can't be Ben Whitehouse. He's no, Welsh. He may be in a different game. Anyway, the the TMO said no. It's he didn't ground it. I can't see a clear grounding or whatever. And and then they looked at was was the was Ironi Marwi hit by an illegal tackle? And in the case of Elias and Rollins, they said that both were legitimate tackles. All of those things are debatable. Yes, <laughs> I I would agree with with all of that. But it was he was, uh, and it's it's the kind of thing that only Carly will pick up. He he his knee hit the floor, and then he propelled himself forward, and then he tried to reach out. To I, I have no problem with that decision. I mean, look, yeah, it's, yeah, it's unfortunate. Most but most most referees would have let of, her go. Yeah, but yeah, look, look. If you know anything about rugby, you know Matt Carly knows his laws inside out. Absolutely, too, probably too much. He's the te- he's the tax inspector, which will get you for you know one day over the t- uh, over the deadline for tax return. That's who he is. He he would be going wild uh, if some of the like lack of replays around tries, particularly around forward passes. That wouldn't that wouldn't happen on Matt Carley's watch. No, it would not. No, it would not. Show me the show me the last pass. Show me it from every single angle. Yeah, he's very good like that, and like he's just different. Well, you've got to know him. If if you know you you've got Matt Carley refing, you know that's what's going to happen. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree with that. And uh, he, so I'm not on Twitter at all, really. Not even on our, uh, not even on our Twitter because I've forgotten the password. But 
I have heard rumours floating around that people are not happy with his performance. All I can tell you is what I saw from that game, and I did not come away thinking he he mistreated Fiji in any way. No, I think it was one of the. So let me uh, let me. I mean, I, 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 let's yeah. just do make these points in order. Is one of the best spectacles. It's the best game we've had in the World Cup. Yep. One of the best games I've watched for years, and the referee always plays a part in that. Yep. Uh, I will say I thought he was too quick to give yellow card to Fiji and not quick enough. Wales got Wales seemed to get far more chances in frigid in the red zone. When that he, would be my one criticism. When he called Jack Morgan over. Warnings. Three warnings in the same sequence. Yeah, when he called Jack Morgan over, I did get angry on that. I thought that's a yellow card. Yeah. That's a yellow card. Stone I mean that should when you, yellow cards are offer those sort of things they're not for you know these silly head infringements, which are saying they're for technical infringements in the red zone. You should give the yellow cards almost immediately, in, in, in my mind. So I agree with that. And actually, as we're on McCarley, there was a little bit of a deviation from the theme which we just set out there, which is he did let a lot of high shots go, an awful well, lot of high shots go. Yeah, which was a point we made earlier. There was, and that that I think is more. I made the point around um, referees will subconsciously. No, they there's less pressure on them to make a decision. Therefore, they'll just leave it for the bunker. Yeah. But then, if it's not getting picked up by the bunker, the referees need to start making decisions, especially when you've got the level of inconsistency that we've seen already in but they three were, days of games. But you know, these were the sort of high shots which need to come back. So <laughs> you got high shots which we don't want to see. We all know what they look like, and we don't want to see them. Uh, I yeah, so I agree with that. But it's there was one which I can't remember which team infringed. I'm going to guess it was Wales that did this because I was supporting Fiji and I was angry about it. But the the player starts low, comes high, rides over the shoulders, clips the back of the head like a sort of horse collary type thing, which is definitely 100% like a seat belty type thing. That is a penalty. It just was never called. And it was, it was really obvious because it was on a kick return or something. Hmm. And I thought, well, that's unusual. But then the game benefited from it because why do you want a penalty there? You want them running it back. You want them doing all these bits and pieces. So I thought we handled the game beautifully, actually, and I think the proof is in the pudding. The game was a great spectacle. It's a beautiful game of rugby. Hell of a game. See what Dylan Hartley said? I did not. What did Dylan Hartley say? What did Dylan say? Uh, D- Dylan Hartley said, and I'm, I'm, I'm a kind of, I, I don't like picking on particular referees. Um, so that's why I'm I'm happy to talk about the general officiating and World Rugby's administration of the system and the processes. Um, so I don't want this to be any sort of Matt Carley, but basically um, Dylan Hartley said that Fiji lost that game because of their um, the, their cultural humility and <laughs> basically politeness. Shut up. Means that they weren't they weren't chopsing at the referee, and so they make it easier. For, for referees to have 50-50 marginal stuff go Fiji lost them. that game. I, I, it... it, he's, hold on, hold on. Sorry, you, you, you're, before you um, cast it off, what I would say is, what you've got to remember is Dylan Hartley speaking from a position of someone who was constantly chopped in at a referee, was an international captain, and you were talking about how you want your pundits and commentators the other week to, to have been there and done it. I don't think you can just discount and go rubbish someone who's been there and done it. I think okay. it's, it's at least where merits a conversation. All right. So the first point I'm going to make is it is entirely possible that Fiji could have manipulated the ref more. And I'm all for that. Go for it. But the reason they lost the game is not because of drops into the ref. They miss, they, they lost it because Bottier dropped the ball, because Marwi dropped the ball, because Radranda dropped the ball, and because they had a disallowed try. 
that's why I mean that's why they lost it. You know, so you you just get one of those scores, you kick it, and you know you're ahead on the scoreboard. So all I, the I will say the, what yeah. I think is an interesting it, point it about what Dylan Hartley brought up. The, the yeah. broader conversation I think that's, that's quite interesting is I noticed I don't know where because I was listening to a, a a ref feed for some of the games um, that wasn't with no commentary, so I don't know whether you miss some of it when there's the commentary happening mm. over the top, but I. I understand the stakes are really high. This is a World Cup. Some of these games this weekend were were so important. Mm. I'm a bit uncomfortable with how players are talking to referees and how referees are are just kind of letting it go. And I do wonder if the sum total of all of that does add pressure and may manifest itself in stuff going one way or the other, which is only going to incentivize players doing it more. Mm. The thing is, it goes both ways, Tim. Right and. You know, I think you are right to point out my hypocrisy in saying that look, you want people who've done it and experienced it. Here's a guy, listen to what he says. So I kind of take that. On the other hand, I bet Dylan Hartley was a far different captain to the Dylan Hartley that called um, the referee a cheat. And the guy that got red-carded, God knows how like how many times in his, um, in his formative years. And I think chopsing can work. Yeah. I, I do think that. But I also think that... It goes both ways. So if you take it too far, you will be on the back foot and the referee will ping, ping you off the park. It's a very, very fine, li- fine line to draw. If you're not na- naturally drawn to that style of manipulating the ref, I wouldn't advise that you do it. In fact, the way that I manipulate refs has been ex- incredibly nice to, to them and letting the other team do the mouthing off. I want to be communicating with the ref at all times. So it depends what style feed you want, really. Did you... I suppose it just, sorry, I'm sure Phil's got something to say on this. I'll just quickly say, I'm, I'm sure this probably does highlight something which is easy to overlook, that whilst, you know, Semirandrandra, Lavani, Botti or whatever were under massive pressure when they were trying to execute a skill, the, the pressure these referees are under is immense. Mm. Yeah, it is. And it is a thankless task because you, you rarely get praised when you have a great game, but you always get criticised. Actually, you get criticised by both sets of fans, regardless of whether you have a good game or bad game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was going to make the point in the South Africa game, you might have picked this up better than we did, Tim, if you had a, a ref mic on, where An- Angus Gardner did, he kind of pushed back very strongly at one of the South African players um, talking to him, sent them away, yeah. only to realise it was Bongi Mbanambi who'd been made on-field yes! captain at the time. So he apologised to me all the time. He did. Exactly. That was funny. He massively applauded. And fair play to him. Because fair play to him for both sides, actually. If he hadn't been told he's captain and there's a player talking to him and he sends them away, I, I'm very happy with that. Like, I don't, I'm kind of with you, Tim. I don't want to see much, um, too much chops in. But fair play for kind of immediately eating humble pie when he realised he was the one that got it wrong. Yeah, yeah. Agreed, like, agreed. Funny moment. Um, anything else on? Well, no. There's loads to bloody di- uh, digest in in the Wales game. Oh, the Josh Adams hit. That was great, wasn't it? The water hit. Well, do you, I just felt like, for whatever reason it was, everyone on that pitch felt a lot of freedom to play. They, they did a lot of freedom to play. Thank, just, thank Matt Carley. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I, and the more I think about it, the more of an amazing win this is for Wales. Because when Fiji started emptying that bench, like you don't really think of Tier 2 nations, so-called Tier 2 nations. Someone's going to re- uh, regret calling them that. Um, as like bringing on, you know, bringing on a, a strong set of finishers. But my word, Bottier c- c- comes on. A guy, I can't remember his name, the guy's paid 
four World Cups. Two is over. Just two oh, is over. And then, of course, two is over. Uh, and, you know, I, I couldn't help but put on my CrossFit group, like, you have to look at this guy's quads. Two is over, isn't He's in unbelievable shape. And, like... How many times? Carved, I've, I've never admired a man's calves like I admire Joshua Tuathovas. Incredible. His calves are bigger than my quads. They're, they're massive. Yeah. And like every time he was near the line, freak. I was just shouting, give it to Tuathovas. Give it to Tuathovas. <laughs> I mean, he's so massive and so destructive he puts Rod Runner on the wing. You know, and they do the same thing. They do exactly the same thing. Yeah. So. I can't remember if it was um, uh, Tuathovas that was outside. I don't think it was. But this is the one thing with the whole semi-Randrandra drop. Let's just get onto that briefly. That there's a couple of things overlooked in this. Had he picked it up and scored, it was a touchline kick for, to win the game. It wasn't to win the game itself. And I, without Caleb Munts, I don't think Fiji are winning that game anyway. I think they are, Tim. I just think they are. And well, and, and 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 secondly, I mean, yes, it was a it was it was a drop and Randra under his face. That was that was I've, oh my god! You, I, I just like, human to human. You, you that's heartbroken for him. The, the close-up on his face that yeah you just what a, what a place to be for for any rugby player right there yeah. in that moment um, but the the other thing is like there was no need to throw a miss three yeah. that absolutely was what are you talking about miss three bounce pass that was exactly the right option <laughs> I can't believe you're saying this it was it was Joshua Joshua to us over uh, what is he better it was he was the one who threw the pass what is he better at <laughs> well, running running straight. 15 yeah, yards out from the line. But let's just get let's just make the counter argument here. The whole point of Joshua Tuas over, much like the whole point of Jamie Roberts, is the fact that he, he attracts players in. Yeah, like, not not for you, not when he if he's got the ball, other people can distribute when they've got the ball and he attracts players in. I mean, I I know exactly he, he what you're also, saying, but he, it was even, the right option. Even if he wanted to take even if he wanted the threat of him to draw the defenders in. He had someone immediately to his left who would have more than likely r- run it in. What are we talking with a about? Much, much more. All Rod Runder needs to do is walk, walk it in. That's all he needs. It was the right. It was the right yeah, pass. So, so I'm making. I'm making the double point. There, there was an easier pass that required less skill to pass and to catch, and it would have been in an eminently more kickable position. Which Fiji weren't were, were unlikely to win that game, even if Rand had scored. Well, look, Fiji had been smashing the door down against Wales for quite some time with a lot of with not much success and the one time that they go wide because Wales right Wales would have been looking at that thinking crikey they are coming hard and tight on us continuously I thought that, that option of the pass was absolutely brilliant and ballsy considering where it was you know you're in a World Cup the the minimum that you expect from your World Cup winger is to catch the ball you know, you know just catch the ball just catch the ball and walk I mean he's a finisher that's the whole point of a winger is he is a finisher now Rod Rodgers case he isn't a finisher, but he does play a lot. He you know, has played a lot of wing. I thought it was a great option, and you know, just one of those things. But you know, they wouldn't have needed to do it at all, would they, if they'd have scored one of the four tries prior to that? A hundred percent. Yeah, you can't complain about one drop if you miss drop your, three others, miss your <laughs> kick, drop three others, disallowed try, etc., etc. Yeah, yeah. I really uh, now it's not because I, I mean Fiji are kind of everyone's second favorite team generally, but I, I, I want them to win at the weekend against Australia. Which really look at the fixtures. That's the only game that really is is interesting beyond just kind of watching rugby. That is a World Cup game. I'm not. I Agreed. don't feel any jeopardy about any other fixture particularly. Should we go weekend, through except for Australia Fiji? Yeah. Should we go through the fixtures now quickly? Well, yeah, I'll just, I'll just make the point before you do yeah. that if Fiji don't beat Australia, Paul C 
fizzles right out and what was only a few days ago uh, you know look we were calling it a group of death and stuff could be could be kind of over as a narrative really except for the you know wales australia deciding who's top or the only other shot is georgia v wales if georgia beat, beat wales uh regardless of the fiji australia result it is back on for that second place fair yeah. and fiji do have two bonus points out of the game against wales so yeah good yeah, point that's a fair point so the fixtures this weekend we have a thursday night game Ooh. thursday night eight o'clock british summertime uh, nine o'clock for Tim's um, continental time. It's France hosting Uruguay. Okay. Which Uruguay are a good team. However, they are not going to beat France. They are not. We then have Friday night, eight o'clock. Oh, wait. Great game for Uruguay, though. Oh, yeah. I mean, to be Great on game that... to test themselves <laughs> on the biggest stage. To be on, yeah, to have every eyeball in France against the French national team on a Thursday night. That's pretty cool because probably the gear. Well, what would they? What would they expect their World Cup experience to be like? Like one, one big team on a Sunday, sandwiched between two two other teams, and then hopefully get some joy against another tier two. This is awesome. It is awesome. The biggest uh, show in the world on on Thursday night, uh, Friday eight o'clock. We've got New Zealand against Namibia, which will be a There's no point in that. 60, 70, 80 point win. Yep. Uh, Saturday, we've got three games at 2 o'clock. Samoa versus Chile. Now, I think this is going to be a good game. That will be a good game. That, that will be... I'm, I'm back in Chile to do better than they did against Japan. I think they'll correct a few errors, but I think Samoa will win that. That's in Pool D, England's pool. Then we've got a quarter to five in Pool C, Wales v Portugal, which will be a fairly routine win for Wales. And then Pool B... JB, you'll you'll be interested in this one. I think it will be a fairly routine win, but uh, certainly a twenty point win. Ireland against Tonga. I will be interested in that one. I would love Tonga to win this. Do you think it's going to happen? I think there is always there's always a puncher's chance. <laughs> I from I know Tonga have had more time together, but if, unless they are have somehow got over the fact that they basically were, when we watched them less than 12 months ago, they were like a bunch of blokes, incredibly big and talented blokes, who look like they've never met each other before, against maybe the world's most cohesive international team. That is a problem. <laughs> mm. Yes. Well, i just say they need to look at their Pacific Island con- 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 compatriots in Samoa to see how they went. So it's doable. You know, it's doable. And if Ireland have got even half an eye on South Africa or Scotland and they pick a slightly weakened squad, you don't, you never know. You never, never know. But I tend to agree with you. The chances of Tonga winning are 5%? Yeah. 1 in 20? Maybe less than that. Maybe 1 in 50. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I'd it's... say more like, yeah, but yeah. Uh, along with that. But it doesn't mean I won't be backing Tonga. Oh, by, <laughs> by the way... Um, it occurred to me on Sunday that I have both a chili shirt. Oh yes, yes. Who gave us that? It oh, was we, sh- we we ha- we have a chili shirt. Well, it's on my wall, so ninety you know, <laughs> percent of the law and all that. <laughs> do you not remember the the chat? I can't remember his name. Who travelled out to Madrid? I do remember. I do remember from Santiago, Chile. Um, I'm sure it began with an R. Rodrigo. Yeah, I was thinking R as well. Sounds right. 
Not Roberto. It wasn't Roberto, was it? But anyway, his chili shirt. I nearly got it down, but they're all sort of like all very well presented now. They are. So um, I didn't wear my chili shirt. Yeah, you got shirt. some. You've you've butchered my beautiful Japan shirt. I haven't. It's a. Uh, it, it looks great there. It's uh, It's all it's got holes in it now. Oh, it's got some small holes, but nothing. Nothing big. Nothing big. It, it sits proudly between a Benetton shirt and... Do you know the other shirt it sits next to? I do. What a shirt that is. That's you know a magnificent shirt. Yeah, Tim will hate Miles this Miles Benjamin? No, Tim will hate this shirt. Not the Benjamin. Where's ben- it, oh, Benjamin's just above JB. It is a shirt of your mortal enemies, Tim. It's got, uh... it's got uh, some wheat, a rose, a duck, uh, a beehive, is that? It is oh, Aylesbury. Yeah, your mortal enemies, Tim. Aylesbury. So, uh, yeah, it's sat next to the... Uh, <laughs> it's in between Benetton and Aylesbury. Three, three nice striped shirts there. Japan, Benetton, Aylesbury. Yeah, I've got real flair for hanging these shirts up in my basement, I've got to say. Um, final round of final games on Sunday. Is it the final? Nothing on Monday? Yeah, nothing on Monday. On Sunday, 2 o'clock, we've got a slightly one-sided uh, South Africa against Romania, who will be competing... Slightly. Whether they can put more than the eighty points that uh, yeah, Ireland put on them. That, that is the that is the issue because what well, that's the well, it's both a blessing and a curse. The, the blessing for all of us is that Paul B. Nothing is decided. Nothing is any closer to being decided by the fact that Scotland lost because every they could South Africa could quite comfortably lose to Ireland and Ireland could lose to Scotland and then it's all game on and it's on po- and and this and that so that's the blessing. The curse is that means everyone needs points. So Romania are getting battered. This this is yeah. going to be another eighty point uh, victory for South Africa. So that's the two o'clock game in Pool B, quarter to five in Pool C, the biggest game of the weekend, Australia versus Fiji. Quarter to five on Sunday. Sunday, yeah. Quarter to five Sunday, and then this is knockout. This is knockout for Fiji starting now. Yeah, pretty much. I hope Fiji win. God, I hope Fiji win this. Yeah, and if if Fiji don't win this, it is out of their hands. They've then got to hope that Georgia do them a favour against Wales and then they beat Georgia and then that's Fiji's only route to getting out. But I, th- I think Australia will win. I think so as well. Um, oh, I think so. I just think Eddie Jones is so wily. I don't think this Australia team is nearly as bad as what it looked in the championship. I think they'll find a way to win. I, I, and also Fiji won't be a surprise to them either. That's the biggest one. They know what these lads are because they play them in their domestic in their domestic rugby. They get exposure to them. Wales don't get exposure to any Fijian rugby. For the most oh part. come on, come on! Don't, don't tell me Wales didn't know that Niall Afebu is a physical freak who could bust out of a tackle oh, look, and look, score look, from look, forty meters. Look, I can tell you how hard and how quick Mike Tyson punches every, you know, every every day of the year for six years. But if you don't spar with the guy, you're never going to have a clue what it feels like. So, Australia will know. Um, Australia missing Tate McDermott, who tackled too low. Yep. Tackled into someone's knee. I can't remember whose knee it was. Need to ban these low tackles. Exactly. But just ban them all. Ban them all. Ban, uh, touch rugby. Touch rugby. Perfect. And then final game on Sunday. We have a new, I want a new, I want a new tackle um, height law for next season above... Above mid thigh only. Oh, although you could get a yellow card for a thigh tackle, as we found out in Chile. So a little bit dangerous. Very dangerous. Above mid, uh, yeah, exactly. Targeting the thigh, never, ne- never a good look, is it? Dirty player. Target the bread basket. Yeah. 
but not not the uh, nether regions. Correct. Got, got to miss the low blow. So hang on. So just... final game. Yeah. So hold on. We've got we've got we've got mid thigh to to upper thigh only. But with a gap, and then we've got around we've the got yeah, waist, yeah. waist to sternum. Those those two zones, everything else is out. Correct. Right. Good. Uh, final game in round two, game week two, whatever you want to call it. Pool D, England against Japan, eight o'clock Sunday night. Oh Christ, that is good. Yeah. So that's that's Japan. Probably the third best game of the of the weekend. Um. Well, th- you say it's good, but that, that that does mean. I mean, it means I'm gonna have to be. I'll be up like after midnight, um, just before the rugby's done, before I can actually just sort of sit back with a beer or anything. And then in the in the morning, I'll, the, the bloody breakfast shows on the Talksport Breakfast Show will want to talk about it because it was on the night before. <laughs> so <laughs> it's a tough life for you, Tim Cocker. I might just have to stay up, just power through in Nice. <laughs> I can't remember where we ended up, JB, but there was some there was some places that were popping a little bit late on, weren't there? <clears throat> in Nice, yeah, we had a great time. That is one of my my, my favourite days boozing. That is phenomenal. Although when we went the year after, we went back to Nice at about three a.m. on the Sunday night, and nothing was open. No. We got a taxi to a hundred euro taxi from Monaco to Nice, and tried to get him to take us to the most lively place in Nice. There, I don't was, remember oh, that. Yeah. there was no lively place in Nice at 3am on a Sunday, but well, Monday morning, I guess it was. Pathetic. There was a few uh, boulangeries uh, gearing up for their Monday morning <laughs> trade. Yes, that's right. Firing the ovens up. But no, oh no, is this, is this a different trip or is this like World Rugby Award? Yeah, this, this was the second, the one that yeah. I came to, the World Rugby Awards, where the three of us left the Monaco Casino. Yeah, after we left them. Um, yeah, so the first we, one. We, as, we got, as we got a taxi, Finn Russell was stood outside the hotel. Yeah, and the eight who got lost. The eight that got lost? Yeah, he had the epic trip to get back from Twickenham. Oh. Uh, number eight, I don't know what he's up to nowadays. Um, Ryan. Oh, the number eight. Oh, no, that's the Ryan, number eight. Yeah, the, yeah. Um, the, 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 uh, the, the London Scottish guy. All right, mate, how's it going? Yeah, Ryan Wilson. Ryan Wilson. Wilson. That's Ryan Wilson, that's it. Yeah. Very much flash in the pan, him. Whatever happened to him? We'll work Grassroots out. podcaster. Yeah, grassroots podcaster. Yeah, we'll work it out another time. Uh, okay, so I th- I think Japan. Anyone else going not Japan? Uh, I am. I'm not going Japan. No it'd be a nice nice contrast of styles. One team actually wants to play with the ball, and one team explicitly does not want to play the ball. Japan showed me nothing in Chile, which thinks that really makes me think they'll bother England. No, like I, nothing. I tend to agree, and I think they are. I think this Japan team is weaker than either the 2015 or 2019 Japan teams, unfortunately. Yeah, agreed on that. Right. Okay, so I'm going to wrap this up now. Unless Perfect. Have you got anything to say? Done. Now, unbelievably, this is not this is not our last podcast of the week because there's going to be another one straight, straight, after, straight after this. Um, download it because it might not be the thing you want to listen to during the World Cup, but it's a, t- a topic that I think will go underreported. Which is, I think, in the next couple of weeks, England are going to negotiate with PRL and we're going to have a disastrous new deal. And it's all going to be Bill Sweeney's fault. So find out what Bill Sweeney is gambling with this week in our next podcast. Perfect. Excellent. Right. Me, Tim and Phil. See you later. Bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. 
Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 